morning we are privileged to have our good friends, Phil and Kath Henry, with us. Now, Phil and Kath were the founding pastors of the Northridge Vineyard in Sydney, and um, they worked on the national board with Nicole and I for a number of years, and um, we've become very good friends and shared a lot of both wonderful moments together, and then in the context of, um, you know, ministry and, and church planting, together we've had to journey through some very challenging spaces uh, to see the kingdom come, and it's been great to walk high highs with these guys and through some of the harder valleys with these guys, and, and that's where you really get to know people in the, in the rub of life, and we're very, very grateful that they're in our life, and Phil and Katha are... Um, um, they know that they've handed on uh, Northridge Vineyard to another wonderful couple down there. And, and Phil and Kath this year in an opportune moment where they're zipping around the countryside, spending time in local churches, encouraging them in their journey with Jesus. And so we are very thankful that they're here this morning to encourage us here. And so uh, I'm going to invite Phil and Kath, or who's going to just come? Is both of you coming up or just just. Okay, you start off. Alrighties. I'm going to pray. Would you just reach out a hand and bless Kath as, um, as she teaches and shares with us this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Phil and for Kath. And we ask right now, Holy Spirit, all the meditations of their heart before you, Lord, and all of that wonderful conversation in their heart and through your word, you would just let it be empowered now and flow out in such a way that would encourage each and every one of us in our journey with you, Jesus, and our journey as a local church following you to see your kingdom come. Let your blessing, your anointing now rest on, on Kath and Phil as they, they share with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's such a privilege to be with you this morning and um, I just would say, as Kirk and Nick have said, they're very good friends of ours and as Phil said earlier, it's, you know, it's great. That it's a privilege that you guys have anyway. I know it's hard when your lead pastors go away and it sounds like, I don't know, if you feel like you're missing out. I When people talk about other wonderful things that have happened, I just go, well, I just feel like I missed out. But actually, in the spirit, you don't because these people bring it back and carry it with them and they can bring it to you. And we have watched Kirk and Nick just be stretched and stretched in a way that they carry such wisdom and a wealth of the spirit that I think the greater privilege is yours that you have them as your pastors. So um, we bless them in their friendship, in their willingness to travel and still turn up and smile <laughs> after jet lag and tiredness travelling. It gets harder as you get older. <laughs> um, we have officially supposedly retired from everything that we were doing. However, we're calling it being refired in God. So uh, we have this, and we're calling what we're doing this year, uh, Gap Year, the Henry Gap Year. Henry is our surname. Um, and so we have rented out our house in Sydney, and we're travelling around. Where we've just said, if any vineyard pastors would like to have us come, just be with them, encourage them, do whatever you want us, we'll do whatever you want us to do, we'll come. So that's what we're doing. So right now we're actually 
um, up in Toowoomba with Jen and Chris Greshambrit and their church planting up there with the vineyard. So if ever you want to just toddle up the hill to for a little meet and greet up there, you're very welcome. They're an amazing young couple with their little boy, Davey, and it's going so well. It's so encouraging. It's wonderful to see what God's doing in and through them already. So um, we're excited that that's happening and love the fact that these guys have had, Kirk and Nick have had a heart for something happening in Toowoomba that's vineyard for a long time. So it was like a yes <laughs> moment. So that's very exciting for us. <coughs> it's also wonderful to see some of you that we've known for a long time here, some that are new faces and we look forward to chatting more and praying together as we finish up here. Um, th- this morning, you're launching into a series in Acts 2. So if you want to, if we look at that together, if you want to turn up that page. So in our church calendar of the year, as we remember Christmas, Easter, we've just had Pentecost. And um, now we're, we're going to think about what that means. And what the last verse, last verses in chapter two mean. But I'm going to start by reading what happened at Pentecost and remind you of that time. When the day of Pentecost came, so Acts chapter two, verse one, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and it came to rest on each of them. Then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The really amazing thing, of course, was that people heard, they were from all different places and heard their own language being spoken and their hearts were turned towards Christ. It was that outpouring of the Holy Spirit with a very, very wonderful purpose. And so here we are remembering that. I'm not sure that special time, I'm not sure what it's been like for you welcoming the Holy Spirit into your life or recognising the Spirit in your life. Um, When I first became a Christian, I was not sure about this whole speaking in tongues gig. In fact, I thought, why do people put their hands up in the air? Um, That was all very unusual to me. And so it's many years ago now, but I wanted to share with you how God finds faces if we're open enough to say, hang on a sec, this is from me. I guess I just wanted to know it was God, right? So we were in a in a space where we'd taken some of our youth fellowship group to a Wimba conference, actually, one of the first ones that happened in Australia. And um, then we had some people from the team coming and praying for us. Our other youth leaders were there with us. And then this girl, I want to tell you, I've known this girl for a long time. She was leading youth with us and she started praying for us in tongues. I opened my eyes and I thought, you've never told me you do that. That's really weird. What are you doing now? (laughs) But the wonderful thing was that this other person from the team who we didn't know at all, no, hang on a sec, let me get around the right way. 
So people were praying for us in tongues and this other girl was studying, old, was studying German at university. And so she, she translated what was being said. So this person didn't know us at all, but they were telling us things about Phil's past that they could not possibly have known. It was one of these moments where someone understood the tongue and could say what it was. And so I had to go, okay, there's something in this. Also, I had a conversation with this girl afterwards and went, what the heck? <laughs> How come you never told us about that little speaking in tongues thing you do? <laughs> so that kind of made my heart more open to this idea that God can work in ways that I don't really have to fully understand. But I want to be open to him, so I want to be open to his ways. Another experience that was like that was um, I had the opportunity to, there was a woman called Jackie Poulanger, the wonderful lady who was working with um, drug addicts in Hong Kong and people in Nottingham, so perhaps you've heard that name. So a group of us were able to go and visit with her. We were invited to actually just suddenly be on team and go to the, the houses where these good people were coming off drugs and... Um, it was an incredible experience. But I was with some of the, the drug addicts who had come off their drugs, who were sitting there speaking in their local language. Um, it didn't occur to me that I was... So I laughed. I, was la I laughed because they were, they were chatting and they were sharing a joke. And then they said to me, oh, why are you laughing? And I said, well, you said this and they said that and that's funny. And they said, but we said that in our local language but I heard it in English. And it was this beautiful moment for us all where I we all just went, oh, my goodness, that's God. But how cool and fun is God that he let me in on their joke? <laughs> and so then there was this thing, you know, don't say anything we shouldn't say in front of Kath. <laughs> so that's just a quick thing to say. The Holy Spirit is just extraordinary. Can you imagine being there on that day when they all started speaking in these other languages and people heard about the Lord in their own language and came to him? How amazing. The other thing I find so interesting is the timing. So in the Old Testament, Pentecost was 50 days from what they called the wave offering in um, the Jewish calendar. So it was after the Passover, 50 days after the Passover, the wave offering at Passover, the end of the Feast of Weeks was when the harvest grain was brought in to be celebrated. It was a harvest time. And we look um, into the New Testament and we think about the fact that we have shared communion now, that's a reminder of Passover, of the offering that was given to us, that we would be spared that we have been given this incredible gift and offering of eternal life with our Lord. And now, these days later, the disciples have gathered again, reminiscent of Passover, the Last Supper, but it's heralding something new. Passover, it was talking, Jesus was saying, my earthly ministry is finishing and I'm giving you a gift out of the end of my ministry, in a sense, on earth. It's eternal life. And this was the infilling at Pentecost as they gathered to get together again of the beginning 
of Christ's earthly ministry through us, through the disciples, through us, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of God here on earth, in us, through us, around us, quite frankly, sometimes despite us. But he would long for it to be through us, knowing that we need God's Spirit to do it all. And then in the section that we're going to read today, we're going to listen in to what God's saying of what's the response when we're, we know we have the Holy Spirit today. We know that we need to keep coming to him, to the Lord, to be filled again and again. And what's our response? This was the beginning of the church. And I know that we're in a season where there's a lot of distrust, a lot of dis- disillusionment about the church. A lot of that is right, a re-evaluating, a s- assessing, a, a looking at what have we got right, what have we got wrong. And let's come to the Lord in a new and humble way. But I don't believe the Lord has given up on his idea of church. And I'm determined not to either. His church is his bride. So why would we give up? on the very thing that he said, when I pour out my spirit, this is, the, this is what I want you to be, the gathered people of God, not lone rangers doing something that you call Christianity on by yourself somewhere out there, together. So let's read that part of the passage. <coughs> so when they came together, what happened? They came together, if you're looking at Acts 2, it's verses 42 to 47 is what we'll read together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How exciting and how wonderful. And how much does God still offer that opportunity to us? So this morning, Phil's going to speak about what it means to be devoted. And I'm going to talk a little bit about fellowship and what that means. Right now, it sounds like a very old-fashioned word, really, doesn't it, fellowship? If someone came up and you'd had dinner with them and they said, thank you for your fellowship, you might go, okay. (laughs) You'd expect someone to say, thanks for the lovely meal and the friendship. Well, it's similar But it's more than friendship, in fact. And it's something that's formed in us as we meet together by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so it's something that is a bit of a mystery, really, the way the Holy Spirit dwells in us individually, how the, the Holy Spirit dwells in us collectively. But there are some clues here to this mystery and what it means to be collectively in fellowship with God. I often forget what that means, but I've had a few reminders lately and I thought I'd share them with you. So one was um, 
really special. A couple of months ago, we were Phil was preaching at Northridge Vineyard, and a lovely woman at the end, young mum, came up and gave her heart to Jesus for the very first time. It was so beautiful. And her hubby was there, and he was very supportive but not quite ready. So I had a chat to him about what was going on for them. And through fellowship of people in the church, this, this couple had moved into the area recently. The mum had started going, the wife had started going with her little one to the playgroup, and she had been just so encouraged by the people in the playgroup. Someone from there had invited them for a meal. The hubby came along. He was really moved by that, so they started coming to some of the activities of the church, and then they'd come to church a couple of times. I think it was the fourth time they'd been in a church ever. Both came from strong families who said, God doesn't exist, that's a waste of time. They had realised that they wanted to pursue some different values. And this dad said to me, I discovered as I spoke to the people here that they had the same values that actually we want for our family. I said, that's super interesting, what are they? And he said, well, we we decided that we wanted to value people being kind to each other. People taking responsibility for their actions and doing something about it. And we want to be around people who care for the earth that we live on and they want to look after it and do something sustainable. And he said, we didn't find that in our friendship group. We haven't found that in our own families, but we found it here. And then he looked away and I could see he was thinking, will I say this other thing? And then he looked at me and he said, the other thing is, there's something about you all. And there's a light that I can see in your eyes and in the eyes of the other people here. I want to know what that is. And I was like, yeah. And I I was a little taken aback. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I tend to want to make a joke. And so originally I was going to say something like, oh, it must be how bright the lights are in the facility, (laughs) just sort of reflecting in our eyes. And then I thought, no. This is a really important moment and that's not what he's talking about. And I said to him, you know what, I think that's the love of God, you see. We get to carry it and you can have that too. And so it was a, I just thought, wow, that is the fellowship shared by the people of God and the Holy Spirit that has allowed another beautiful family to discover he is real. God is real and he's there for us, he's there for them. What a privilege, hey? And then um, just again recently we were down in Geelong, we were t- decided to take the ferry across to see our friends at Geelong Vineyard and I, I'm looking out over the edge because it's really pretty if you ever want to take the ferry, it's lovely, looking out across the ocean. So I was just doing that like a whole lot of other people were doing, I want to say. And then this uh, puppy dog comes up next to me and I'm like, oh. And then I look up and the owner says, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, it's so fine. What's the name of your dog? And we got chatting and, uh, and then I found out her name as well. You need to remember not to always ask just what the dog's name is and not the owner for people who... Yeah, it's an important thing. So her name is Judy. <laughs> Turns out she's a burned-out school teacher. And, uh, and she said to me, actually, um, 
I wanted to get your attention. And I was like, oh, well, that's okay. And she said, there's something, there's something about you and there's a piece that you're carrying and I, I just don't, I long for whatever you, whatever that is. And so I got to chat to her about where we were going, what we're doing, about God and his love for us and his love for her to the point where she invited Phil and us to, for us to go and stay with her. She said, I would like more of this. <laughs> and so I said, well, there are a lot of people who love the Lord who carry more of this for you. So um, I just say all of that to say there's nothing special about Phil and I. It's about all of us. All of us carry this Holy Spirit presence, which is such a gift, and it's stronger when we're together. People see it more when we're together. People are longing for this type of fellowship. So I don't know if you've ever looked up the word in the... Often the Greek words we so much more than our English word can hold, right? So the Greek word is kononia. Anyone who really speaks Greek might correct me, but that'll be my best go at it. And that's the word that's used here in this passage. It does mean loving friendship, but it means friendship that can be observed by others. Interesting, right? Not just something that's kind of, you know, you send text messages to each other. It's got to be a lived experience that other people can observe when you're together. It's a shared common purpose that is otherly focused. And it includes something that you would be willing to work together towards. So much more, isn't it, than the word that you're like, friendship? Maybe us Aussies have just let it drain away from the full meaning that it even had in English. But here is the offer for all of us, that together we would meet together in a loving friendship that could be observed outwardly. We'd do things together that would be otherly focused with the purpose of Jesus Christ to see other people drawn into that love and to know what we have. It's an expression of unity, a unique type of solidarity. We don't all have to be doing the same thing. And that's why it's the body of Christ. It's bringing our gifts and our talents together and working like a body. And then I think fellowship is expressed all the way through Scripture. If you want to do a little word search, where the words one for another appear. It's over a hundred times through the Scripture. So it must be something that's important. So have a look through, but I just want to say a couple of them to you before Phil comes up. In John 13, 34, it says, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. That's Jesus saying it to us today. Hear that in our hearts. Your Lord is saying to you and to me, I've loved you and I'm longing that you would love one another. By this other people will know that you're a follower of me if you love one another. Romans 12, lives, live in harmony with one another. Have 1 Corinthians 12, 25, have equal concern one for another. Ephesians 4, 2, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Hebrews 10, 24, spur one another on with love and good deeds. 
I wanted to tell you one other little story of that really um, reminded me of this is we were in Israel, we were traveling with a group of people from our church and there was another group that was kind of, we were traveling together. There were some people we knew, some people we didn't. This one lady got quite sick while we were away but it was her dream to come to Israel and to get to Jerusalem. So we looked after her. She was the most vulnerable person on our trip. Someone else observed us, they happened to be traveling individually, this guy, and he observed how well we were loving her to the point where he came up to us and he said, I have watched you in these different places loving this woman and I just want to know why. Why are you doing that? And so we got to tell him that we were actually loved the Lord, that we're here as Christians traveling. And um, he told us his story. He was an Australian guy, had a Jewish background, had a breakdown, was searching for his Jewish roots in some form of meaning. We invited him to join us for lunch and it was great because he taught us about everything to do with washing hands and what that had meant in his heritage. But then he asked us lots of questions about Jesus and went away saying, I have a lot to think about. So I want to remind you that you are empowered. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit, whether you know it or not. And you can be naturally supernatural. The more we do things together, the better it is. Try and find as many overlaps in life as you possibly can with each other. It seems to be a lot of eating together in the Bible. I'd encourage you to eat together with the idea that your love shared in a public space could just invite someone else to meet Jesus Christ. I could listen to Kath for hours. Oh, thanks. You're good. Sometimes you do listen to me. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Let me just read again the passage that we're looking at, just because it's a good passage. And remember, 42 to 47 wouldn't have happened if 1 to 42 didn't happen. You understand what I mean? It's only, this, this passage is really significant because I think it's the springboard of the whole rest of the book of Acts. And, and as, you, as you will read on as you do this series, all of it comes back to actually what God was doing here. So it was sort of a big picture of what the rest of Acts was going to talk about. <clears throat> anyway, let me read it again quickly. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals, more food things, um, shared with meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It's a good passage. So the the outpouring of the Spirit just profoundly transforms this group of people. It really does a number. He, He does a number on them. 
they were doing their lives, doing their own thing, and then the Spirit comes and their world is thrown upside down and now they're thrust together, as Cass said, into this group. And what's really exciting is the effect of it. Like, not only are they blessed because they want to be there, but that last phrase, each day the Lord added to their number. I mean, that's our heart. We want to see all these seats full, overflowing, so we've got to buy more seats, don't we? That's our heart for the kingdom, is that one service is not enough for a Sunday. We've got to do more and more and more because God is adding to our number. So it's what God was doing in that moment, which is incredibly exciting. Um, And it was there, it's interesting, you know, Cass spoken about fellowship this first word there is that all the believers devoted themselves to these things and it was both in private as well as in public and you know and and I think it was a challenge like today putting our Christianity on display here is really easy we can we can do we can lift the hands we can speak in tongues and all that and we everyone thinks we're all crazy and it's all fine like good crazy not bad crazy um but, you know, doing it out there is a bit more of a challenge for us, is to actually be seen in public devoting ourselves to the Lord and to each other. And so it is a challenge. Two key things I see um, that affect the growth of the church um, will always be authentic community, as Cass spoke about. You People come and stay in a church because of, you know, it's sort of funny. It's not necessarily how good the speakers are or how good the worship is. It's actually the people sitting next to you. Most people come and stay in a church because of that fellowship slash friendship that grows. It's the people that I can do my life with. I'm here because of this group of people. I mean, you may come, and a lot of people do. They come and they plonk up the back. Not to say the back row is bad. It's all right. Um, but, you know, they just want to observe for a while. But then they'll stay because they find friends. They find a community of people who share their heart to do this God thing. And so it is important to see that. So that's the first thing to be aware of. But also I think what, what people are looking for in church is the sense of this practical application of what they're hearing. Like it's not just uh, do what I say. But, well, they, they want it to be authentic in terms of we'll read the Bible, but then how do we do the Bible? You know what I mean? Because for me, that's what, that's what shifted for me even to become a pastor and to go down that journey was when I saw them not just talk about it, but to do it. You know, when, when Wimber in the early years just got up and said, we're going to now wait for the ministry of the Spirit and we're going to do this together, and I saw God move first. That was, I mean, I'd grown up in a Christian family, so I believed in God. That was never a problem for me. But it was the first time that I saw God be really big. And I, I want to believe in a big God. Like, I know he's there, but it was sort of the first time that I saw God really move in a way I couldn't explain, I couldn't understand, and it was huge, and people's lives were being messed around with. And so this sense sense of authentically displaying our faith transforms people. It's people actually being real Christians. 
that attracts and gathers people. So it's being aware of that those things deeply affect church growth and people coming here, both the relationships but also the authenticity of people doing this God journey together and God showing up. Now, the word devotion, now it's one of the funny things, again, like Kath's saying, fellowship is not a word that we use a lot now. Even devotion we don't use a lot. Sometimes we use it in the context of marriage, which I think is a good thing, but also that sort of reminds us that we are the bride of Christ. But devotion, it's, it's a sense of commitment, of sacrifice, a sense of continuity. It's not just a, you know, you know, a momentary, and then we go back to the way we were. It's the sense of ongoing. It's not just a one-off thing. This, this sense of devotion is a long-term commitment and engagement with someone for that purpose. So it was this group of people who were carrying the good news of Jesus and it was they were being daily committed to it. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. They were doing it daily, as it said. And so that's also important to see what's happening. So what were they devoted to? Well... In this short passage, it mentions a whole bunch of stuff. So they were devoted to earnestly seeking to grow in their understanding of Jesus through the experiences and learnings of the the apostles. So they came and, and they were hungry to hear, what have you experienced? These were the guys who had walked with Jesus. Now, yes, there was a group who had a larger group than just the 12, but they hungered to hear what both the disciples saw what they experienced and what they now understood. Because remember back then, the people that were being drawn in, they were, they were God people. They were Jews. They spent most of their lives learning Scripture, learning the Old Testament. They had a very big grid for God. But something had caught their attention and they wanted to, like it was this and they wanted it to be this because they saw what was happening. And so they were like, we need to understand more because they... They'd heard it all, they'd seen it all, but now this whole Jesus thing was very, very new and they wanted more of it. And so they spent time listening to the disciples and, well, to the apostles and their story. And so they're also doing, they're also devoted to doing it together. They intently had Cass said, we're going to do this together. It's not just for me, it's I'm going to bring myself intentionally into community and do, do this journey of faith with others. They were also devoted um, to generally caring for people in need. They saw around their group who needed stuff, and they go, well, I can help sort that out here. I've got this, I've got that, whatever. They, they, it wasn't just uh, all for me. It was they were devoted to really being honestly caring for people around them, which was so cool. They were also devoted to working the powerful ministry of the Spirit. Like the disciples, the, the apostles were doing all this stuff, and like, yeah, bring it on. Show us how to do that. And as, we, as you will see in Acts, as we move through that as a series, you'll see more and more it's not just sort of the big, you know, the, the big guys. Everybody gets to play. And they love that. So let's, let's do this. And they welcomed that, which was so cool. Um, they also remembered, like we have today, that it all hinges on what Jesus was all about. And so they, each time they came together, 
They shared the supper because they wanted to say, this is all because of Jesus. Let's keep going there. So that was cool. They also wanted to be devoted to honouring God, to worship. You know, it's, yeah, I don't know about you, but the thing that moved me the most in my journey of God, you know how we do our journey with God, we go, then we go, boop, boop, you know, and we have those little events. One of those events was me was worship. And I'd never cried in worship. Like, like I grew up in a, you know, in a more traditional church and you got up, you sang a hymn, you sat down. You got up and sang a hymn and sat down, you know. And I never started crying, <laughs> which is like, why would you do that? Um, but then, then when we started doing this whole let's have a segment of worship and God would just, you know how sometimes a song comes and it just messes with you and you just cry and you're like, oh, my goodness what they've said is what is right here. And so they were devoted to that. They made a priority of that. And like for us in the vineyard, worship, that's what we start with. We start going, and I loved all your songs this morning. I don't think any of them were about us. They were all about God. Worship God, worship God. And so they devoted themselves to placing that sense of worship as a priority. And also they devoted themselves to welcoming anybody who felt um, an honest need for God. Because the thing is, if God was adding to their number daily, that means there was another new weird person in the, bu- in the building. Do you know what I mean? And they were committed to that welcoming. Because as we as a church... If we're going to fulfill this, if, we're, if the effect of the Spirit in our lives is going to be like this, well, then there's going to be new people walking in that door a whole lot. And we've got to be able to go, oh, hi, welcome, no matter what they look like, what they smell like, whatever. That we are just a welcoming people and we're happy to meet new people. We're happy to draw them in, to allow them to experience what we're experiencing here and to do the journey with us. So that's cool. And you know what? When you look at that list, it sounds a lot like who we are or who we want to be, isn't it? I look at that list and I go, that's who we are as a vineyard. People who want all that stuff. And we are doing our best to try and make it happen in our midst. So it's so cool that that is who we are. So it's basically ordinary Christians um, who just simply open their homes, speak the truth fearlessly... And then trust God for the results. We, I mean, we can invite people, but we can't make them come in the door. So God brings them. God is building his church. And so that's pretty cool. Now, even 2,000 years of church history behind us, our vision has not changed much. Like, that's what happened 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit fell. 2,000 years later, same, same. Do you know what I mean? We might, it might look a little different. The chairs are a little bit more comfortable. We're not meeting on a dirt floor and there's actually a roof over our heads. Wonderful. But you know what? It's same, same. It's, and it's, it's funny because it's not complicated. What we're doing is a message that our kids are getting right now next door, a simple message of realising we just realise we need, we need God. So here... The thing about it is they choose to do it together, which it just seems to be a really important thing. 
And it's like has said, God, um, God intended this to be a reality because he knew that it's here that we learn to love, that we learn to forgive, we learn here how to serve, to listen, to care. And God wanted that to be the case. I realised that if, if I just hung out with people, I would just hang out with the people that I like. Do you know what I mean? But in church, we're thrust together with people, not that we, oh, there's people in this building I really don't like, because I'm sure that's not the case. But there's people that I wouldn't ordinarily meet with. They're slightly different from me. They have slightly different interests. They do things a different way. But here, we get to do it together, diverse as we are. And it's good. So, I love that. Church leaders for years, this is a really significant passage in Scripture. And church leaders through the years have always looked at this. And they've realised that if we prioritise these habits of the early church, we too can experience the blessing of these devotions in our daily lives. The church prospered and flourished by the power of the Holy Spirit, channeled through the holy habits of the first disciples. And this same Spirit breathes his fire into our lives today. What happened then happens now, today, which is so cool. Two things I, I look at this as I thought and I go, Lord, let me just, as I come to a close... They passionately worked on these external practices. They, um, they, those disciplines that built a healthy habit for keeping God at the centre. They did church. They did worship. They did prayer. They met together. They did the Lord's Supper. A lot of external stuff. And you know what? I'm like, that's really good. But I wanted to also remind us that they also chose the devotion word is not just an external activity. Devotion comes from the heart. When a man and a woman get married, there's a heart thing. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, first word, and your soul and with all your strength. It doesn't start with love the God with all your strength. In other words, work, you need to work at this. It starts with our heart. And I think I just want to um, just draw our attention to that because it's easy for us to default to just doing stuff. And that's what they did back then in Jesus' day. They did the stuff and they thought it would get them right with God. But you know what? It begins in our hearts. If we're going to love people well, it's got to start here. We can't just do stuff. Does that make sense? So it is both the external, but it's got to spring from a devoted heart. So it's from a devoted heart that we worship. It comes from a devoted heart that we serve, we love, we give. All of that comes from a devoted heart. Um. Just after Easter, we went on a youth conference um, we have been connected with for a number of years and one of the guys there um, said something that just really um, landed with me. He said that to be 
a Christian or to be a follower of Jesus, we are people who just openly acknowledge we need God. And it's easy. We can, we can turn this whole Jesus thing into a whole lot of stuff and feel like we've got to have a whole lot of answers. But you know what? Their devotion was they realised and that's why Jesus said to them, don't do a thing until you are empowered from on high because he wanted them to realise that for them to make this thing a reality, why the church is still existing today is because people have realised we can't do it without God. I can't do... I've been a Christian for a long time. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. I still need God. I haven't got to a point where I go, God, I've got this, all good. I still need God today. I need God to help me do all those things in that list. Sometimes I haven't got the strength to worship. I haven't got the strength to, oh, I've got to go, I've got to go to church. Oh, it's hard. I need God. I need God to love my wife well. I need God to parent well. I need God to live well, to care for others well. I need God. And so if you're wondering even today, what's this Christian thing about? It's all about needing God. If you need God, that's wonderful. That's what he's looking for. God looks for people who say, I need you. And we've got all, like, it's interesting. I was thinking here this morning as I was sitting here, I'm going, you know what, Lord, I don't know really anything about you guys. But you know what? I know somebody who does. I know, no, it's not these guys. <laughs> God knows. And that's what matters the most. And so I realise that we all need God, no matter what your lives look like, no matter what's going on in your marriage, in your relationships, in your workplace, um, in your lives, in inside you, inside our crazy minds. Um, I know we all need God. So, we're going to finish there. I have no idea what the time is. But it's time to stop and to stand and we're just going to pray. And if you need God for something in your life today, maybe you've come this morning and it's like, I do. There's some stuff I really need God for. Then we're going to pray. So why don't we stand? Let's pray. Father, we bless you for your presence amongst us today. And Lord, we thank you that we've come here, Lord, with all sorts of different things in our lives. We thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit into our lives. That we now no longer do this life alone, we do it with you. And at the same time, Lord, we do it realising that every day we need you. Right now, Lord, I need you. There's things in my life right now that I need you for. And tomorrow I'm going to need you again.
And Lord, thank you that you are still there, ready to be needed, ready to come, ready to hear our prayers. We need your empowering presence and we also need this community around us. So thank you for all of that.